Welcome to Thriving Educators. I'm Brian Langley. In this episode, I speak with Kelsey Gaylord, an English Language Development, or ELD, teacher leader for the district. Beyond the classroom, Kelsey is a K-4 ELD content area leader, a mentor, and member of the ELD Parent Engagement Committee. In our conversation, Kelsey provides insight into our ELD program and shares strategies for working with ELD students in the classroom. Enjoy. Kelsey Gaylord, hello. Um, Thank you so much for being here today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here and talk with you today. So the topic of English language development is on a lot of educators' minds, and I was hoping that you could talk us through um, what our district uh, system and philosophy looks like for supporting English learners. Yeah, absolutely, and I've had the privilege of being here the last five years and kind of getting to see how the program's grown in my time. So currently our ELD vision is to provide every English learner access to equitable, high quality content and language instruction, delivering an impactful and inclusive educational experience. So with that really, we wanna be holding all our English learners to high expectations and giving them access to that grade level content. And to do that, we provide them various levels of supports and scaffold based on their language proficiency. So currently we're really fortunate to have a full system K-12 of support for our English learners. Every school has at least one core ELD teacher. So that's the teacher who's gonna be teaching those low proficiency students, often our newcomers. We have those teachers, they can do the pull out, but they can also do a push in method for some of our higher proficiency students and support within the classroom. We also recently, in the past few years, added ELD interventionists, and so those are teachers who kind of work with students who we think there might be other things going on impacting their literacy development rather than just language. And then at our 712 level, we have shelter classes, which are classes that are just for our English learners, again, typically geared towards those levels one through three, our lower proficiency, and their classes like science, social studies, but it's all English learners, so the teachers can really scaffold to those students' levels. Okay, and you currently, well, you'll be going into this next school year as the ELD teacher leader. Can you talk to me a little bit about what your role then will be in that position? Yeah, so as I move into this new role in the fall, I will be leaving the classroom. I had been at Deerfield for the past five years. So I will be helping oversee our program. And so with that, that means I'll be helping with our screening, um, scheduling our WIDA testing, which is the English proficiency test uh, our students take every spring. Also be helping with coaching on our ELD team, but also supporting our classroom teachers um, in any way possible as well. Okay, so when you talk about the the testing, I think that refers to, is it the WIDA testing? Yep, the WIDA testing. It takes place every February and spring, or February and March. Okay, and is that something where um, students can, based on their levels, we classify them as like, English learn- learners or not similar to like how a special ed can enter or exit is that similar or is that not similar 
Yeah, it's similar. So initially upon entering the school, we screen students based on a home language survey. So if they list another language, they're screened and um, depending on their score, they might be entered into the program. Currently it's if they score below a five, they're entered in. And then they continue to take the WIDA test every spring until they get a qualifying exit score. The okay. criteria does change year to year, but we'll use those scores to help us determine their services. Okay, great. And roughly, can you give me an idea for our district about how many students we might be serving through our programs? Yeah, roughly one third of our district is English learners. Um, it's about 1,200 students who are active learners, um, so we're getting either direct services or being monitored. And then Overall, we have about 1,300 students, which also includes our FLEP students, you'll hear them called, which is our former English learners. Okay. And we still have to monitor those students for four years after they exit from the WIDA test. Okay. And then we also have, we call them our DLLs, our dual language learners, and those are students at the Early Childhood Center. So we have another large portion. I think about half of the Early Childhood Center is a dual language learner. Okay, gotcha. And I understand, so I teach high school physics, and I understand that at the high school level, there, or maybe at the secondary level, there would be a mix of, of classes, like you were talking about, like a science class that was specifically targeted to the English learners. Um, there would, would that maybe be also then um, English classes or, or ELA classes that are targeted that way too? Is that how that would work? Yeah, so at the um, middle school and high school, there are ELA classes targeted towards English learners as well. And those are typically taught by our ELD teachers. So that would be Shannon Hadley at the high school and Sam Westrate at the middle school. So they have some classes that are ELA, but specific just for their English learners. Okay, so I understand a little bit more about how that works because I'm, I'm around that type of atmosphere the most. What what does it look like more at the K-6 level typically? So at the K-6 level, the students are in the gen ed classroom most of the day. Okay. We have the win time, which is what I need time. And so that is a time when we can pull the students out of the classroom to give them direct services. Typically, again, we just usually pull out our level ones through about 2.9. Those are our lowest proficiency students um, to give them that extra support and kind of confidence building in a smaller group setting. And then those students who are the threes through fives or sixes, we can support them through push-in or check-in with the teachers. So we don't really want to pull those students out of the class. We want to keep them in the class as much as possible to continue to um, have the structure and support of their peers as well. Okay, so when we talk about like a system like our uh, MTSS program, um, there's this philosophy that the the least restrictive environment, or I'm not sure if I said that correctly, but the, the environment where, um, I guess I should put it this way, in general, we want the students in their normal classroom as much as possible. It, that's also then true for our English language strategy. Is that true? 
Absolutely. Yep. We want to keep them in there as much as possible, but we definitely understand when some of these students are first coming in or the lower proficiency. Mm-hmm. It's really important to have some of that time in a smaller group setting where you're pulling them out because that kind of helps them build that confidence that they might not have in a large group setting. So they can kind of work on developing those language skills in a smaller group to transfer to their larger classroom. Okay. So what are some of the best ways for those teachers that are not specifically labeled uh, English language teachers uh, to help support those kind of learners? Yeah, I get this question a lot. And I think the number one thing to know is a lot of things you are already doing really are supporting those English learners in your classroom. I think the next step is really being intentional about the planning with it. Okay. Um, so I'll give you a couple of ideas. Please. And these things, they do benefit all your learners too as well in the classroom. So, you know, if you're providing extra scaffold, it's never going to hurt any of your other students. We all have our strengths and weaknesses. So I think that's important to remember as well. Um, the first thing I would say is really focusing on developing those relationships. We talk a lot about SEL and that's also really important with our English learners. A lot of them are coming into maybe a new country, a new school, they're learning a new language. There's a lot going on, so we really wanna take that time to get to know them, get to know their cultures, make them feel comfortable so they're willing to try and know they can make mistakes in your classroom. Okay. Um, Number two, I think this is one of the most important ones and one of the easiest to incorporate would be making things visual as much as possible. So if you're giving directions, write your directions on the board so they can refer back. Add pictures to anything. Again, you can add them to your directions to introducing new vocabulary. This goes along with providing modeling. So if you're asking them to do a task, take that time to model the different steps, chunk it out into manageable tasks for them to accomplish, and then also give them that model or the end product so they have something to refer back to throughout the lesson. Um, Because it's, again, a lot of times those directions and things they're taking in can be really overwhelming. So if you have it posted and visuals for them to refer back to throughout the lesson, it can help them to be more independent. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. If if one of the barriers uh, to learning potentially in your class is the language, and you can cross that barrier by using some kind of visual, I, I think that that's a great piece of advice. Um, it's funny that you bring up relationships because I think this is the, the fifth or sixth podcast so far, and it doesn't matter what we've been talking about, if it's classroom management or building relationships or the MTSS program, like over and over again, relationship building is so important. Um, as you think about uh, trying to build relationships, I can I could see teachers like maybe this is a this is a harder relationship to build because of the language barrier. Um, do you have any tips for that? Yeah. Um, so whenever students first come in, I always tell the teachers it's okay if you want to use Google Translate or Translator, knowing it's not always going to translate perfectly, mm-hmm. but sometimes just to kind of get to know a little bit of background questions about the student, you know, asking about where they moved from, what their family's like. I often do that. And that way they can have their native language to support um, as they're kind of telling about themselves. You can also reach out to parents too ahead of time. So if 
they know some questions and things you're wanting to know about their student. Okay. If you put it in writing, that makes it a little bit easier for them to process and translate the questions so they have some time to think about and share some information about themselves as well. So I'm really glad that you brought up that advice about making some of your instructions visual or using visuals. I can totally see how that is such a no-brainer in trying to bridge that gap if students are struggling with the English language. I'm curious in your experience if there are if there is some other question that you get a lot of times and if you could answer that one for us. One question I get a lot from teachers and parents is about the use of the native language. You know, can I use it? Am I allowed to let my students use it? Can they use translators? And something we always say is we always encourage the use of the native language. We want to keep building their literacy skills in their first language as well as in English because as they develop those English skills, it transfers over. So it's really useful for them to be able to have that support for clarifying or explaining things. Um, something I always tell teachers, like for a newcomer student, especially during writing time, they don't have that English proficiency to be writing the whole time, but it's okay if they spend that time writing in their native language about the topic. So we'd rather them kind of focus on that content and we can kind of help scaffold as they go, but we don't want them just sitting there. So we'd like to have them be practicing in their native language as well as they're developing that English. Right. Okay. So I, I, I think I'm really wrapping my head around this. Like I teach physics. And so when I have English language developers in my classroom, the main focus for me is helping them grow in physics. But at the same time, we also have a system in place to help these students also develop in the English language. But for most of the classes they're taking, these content area classes, the focus is on helping them grow in those content areas. Got it. Okay, so Kelsey, in my 20 years of teaching, I have heard these kind of programs referred to as ESL, ELL, now ELD. And so I'm curious, as it, first of all, what do each one of those acronyms mean? And if I want to be seen as like a up-to-date current educator, which one should I be using? So our department is really currently trying to use ELD, which means English Language Development. You'll often probably hear it referred to as ELL as well, which is English Language Learning, because we use that some in our department as well. Um, ESL is a little bit kind of older term. It's English as a second language. And some of our families refer to that, um, refer to it as that because they're used to hearing that maybe in their country because they're learning as a second language. But many of our students are learning more than just two languages. Some have been learning English um, since they were young. They're bilingual students. So we really want to focus on that development piece. So English language development, ELD, is what we are trying to focus on since we're developing the language of all levels of students, not just our low proficiency students. It's all our levels of English learners. All right, that makes so much sense. So English as a second language, there might be that might be the student's third or fourth or fifth language so that doesn't really fit. And when we think about what we're actually trying to do, that word development seems to make the most sense. So going forward, I will refer to it as ELD. So I do feel like we have, um, some really good tips here to go with in my classroom. 
I will make sure that I continue to build strong relationships with my students. I am going to have to start making some of my instructions more visual. And I think I realized that if I run into uh, roadblocks or have a student that's struggling in particular, that I'm gonna try and lean on some of those visuals and allowing them to have this kind of, uh, or encouraging them to use their, their native language, their first language, um, to help them through, especially when I'm dealing with physics content here. So thank you for all of that. One thing that we've been doing in every episode is asking for education-related uh, resource recommendations. So I was wondering if you have a favorite or two that you could share with us. Currently, I'm reading Dispelling Misconceptions About English Language Learners by Barbara Gottschalk. And I just kind of wanted to read this book as I'm going into my new role, just because, again, I've kind of been in an elementary lens. So I just want to take a step back and kind of think about what misconceptions other people might have about our English language learners and try and view it from a K-12 perspective. So that sounds like a really interesting book. And I am curious if you could just really briefly, what are some of those misconceptions? Um, a big one is that English, like the majority of our English language learners are born in other countries, which really isn't true as a whole. Uh, the majority of English language learners are actually born in the United States. And a lot of times we see those students overlooked because those their basic social skills are really good, okay. but it's that academic language they're missing. So that's um, one big misconception people have. And then also kind of ties back to our ELD vision is we want to provide those students grade level content. We don't need to water it down okay. um, for our newcomers. You want to still give them that grade level content. You're just going to have to provide them much more scaffolding to access that grade level content. All right. Thank you. Um, any other resources you want to add? Um, another one is a podcast I like to listen to since I'm someone that prefers to listen to things a lot. It's mm -hmm. The Cult of Pedagogy by Jennifer Gonzalez. She covers a whole different range of topics. Most of them are short podcasts, 20 to 30 minutes. Um, she has some about supporting diverse learners, how can we promote equity in our schools. She also covers topics like teacher self-care. So I kind of like how quick and easy they are as I'm driving to school. Yeah, I'm familiar with the Cult of Pedagogy uh, website and podcast. It's certainly something that um, I included in my research when developing this podcast and uh, have, you know, follow Jennifer Gonzalez on Twitter. And that is a really great resource. So thank you very much. Okay, uh, last question then. I'm curious if there is something that you're working on right now. Is there something particularly... Uh, puzzling that's on your mind? Is there some kind of problem that you're trying to solve? Probably one of my number one things is just thinking again, how can we continue to support our classroom teachers? Our English learners are generally in their gen ed classrooms most of the day and just thinking what ways can we offer more support to our classroom teachers when they have a class full of students to help them better support our English learners? At the end of every podcast I ask this question, and I get answers that are really challenging. And so yours, once again, that is such a big challenge. I wish you the best of luck with that. Thank you. <laughs> I know it's always- for next year. <laughs> yeah. Okay, Kelsey. So thank you so much for sharing your expertise with us around helping our English language developers. I am gonna put these tips to use when I start again in the fall. 
So I just want to say thank you for coming on the show. Thanks for having me. I really appreciated it. Okay, that wraps up another episode of Thriving Educators. I want to thank Kelsey Gaylord for sharing her expertise around English language development. Among other things, I'm going to start thinking about how I can incorporate more visuals to assist my ELD students. Take care, everyone.